Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Jesse Meschuk, a career and human resources expert and senior advisor with Executy, a full-service executive compensation consulting firm. Jesse has more than 20 years of consulting and HR experience and has worked globally across a wide variety of industries, including technology, entertainment, gaming, retail, hospitality, and sports. If you're a frequent listener of the HR Works podcast, you may remember Jesse from his first appearance on the show back in February 2023, as Jesse was on episode 227, where we tackled the question, can ChatGPT be your next great HR tool? Surprisingly enough, it's almost eight months later, and many workforces are still trying to answer that question. But if you missed that episode, I highly recommend going back and checking that one out. Now, look, it's been well documented that in 2023, it's been a challenging time for workforces, and many organizations have gone through their fair share of challenges. From layoffs to mergers and acquisition, organizational restructuring, and even that decision of returning to the office. It's weighed on workforces, and oftentimes the challenge is bringing employees back on board. So we want to bring Jesse on today to discuss that challenge, how workforces and how HR leaders can really help their teams through those challenging times. So without further ado, let's get Jesse welcome back in. Jesse, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Thanks for coming back on. Yeah, great to be back. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of course. I love having those repeat guests. We always end our episodes with new guests and say, we've got to keep the conversation going. So I love when we can actually make good on that and bring somebody back. So good to have you back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So for any of our listeners, as I mentioned, you're back on an episode in February, but for any of our new listeners who may not have heard that episode yet, maybe meeting you for the first time, can you just share a brief bit about what you've been currently working on as a member of Exequity? Sure. So more broadly, Exequity primarily focuses on independent executive compensation services, mostly to compensation committees of public company boards, but also to management teams and private companies as well. So I do that work. And in addition to that work, I also do broad-based compensation consulting, as well as broader HR consulting and career consulting. So pretty much everything in the people space is uh, kind of my jam. All right. I love it. And since speaking back in February, has there been anything new you've been working on, anything new you've been focusing on over those last eight months? Yeah, I've been lucky enough to be working more and more with international organizations, including those in Asia and the Middle East, which has been an interesting experience and a good experience to get to know an even more global set of organizations and challenges. I've also been working with a lot of companies as they have been thinking about their return to office plans, which is a timely topic today. So uh, how do you struggle with, you know, what you want to do on a more ongoing basis? And, you know, given that you may have talent now all over the globe, and that has also led to a lot of working with companies on their talent location strategies. So where do they actually want to have hubs all over the world and how do they think about that? And then finally, I would say uh, I've seen a decent amount of M&A activity starting to pick back up. And so I've been doing some work with that, helping companies think about as they come together, you know, how do they make it work both initially from, a, you know, is this something we want to do from a due diligence point of view, but also once they've made the decision, how do we integrate in the right way and merge sometimes two very different cultures and figure out, you know, how do we make this work? I love that. We are perfectly primed then for this conversation, Jesse, and just hearing all that exciting work that you've been doing over the past eight months and just this year in 2023 uh, has been great. I mean, we're certainly at a point within the workforce where it's gone global in terms of teams finding flexibility and the ability to 
expand their reach beyond just their home markets, but to go to a global workforce. We've been working with teams internationally, and I'm sure seeing that globalization of HR strategies, challenges that are facing teams in Asia are the same that are challenging teams that are based in the United States, or the same that are challenging teams that are based in Europe. And oftentimes, those are the same teams that are multinational and dealing with workforces across the globe. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, once you're really across kind of Americas, Asia, Europe, Middle East, um, it's a uh, tough but fun challenge. Yeah, right. It's getting that universal buy-in, whether it's from a team that is based in one location stateside to a team that is set up and distributed internationally uh, through multiple locations. That goal of buy-in is the same at any scope. For sure. So with that idea of buy-in, we're seeing a lot of just change and challenge brought into the workforce over the last year. We're seeing so many teams either downsizing, going through layoffs, going through mergers and acquisitions, having even organizational restructures. Yep. So often we talk about the challenges that are facing those employees who are directly impacted, but not so much the employees who are the quote unquote survivors and what that does to the culture of organizations after the fact. So I wanted to dig in there. First off, how does a major organizational change impact corporate culture in the short term? Yeah, this is a really good question and one that a lot of teams struggle with and one that a lot of HR teams struggle with and how can they best support their company coming out of a major change. And so not surprisingly, the way it impacts depends a little bit on what the change is, right? So if you have a new leadership team or a new CEO, you know, that can result in a shift in directions and create pivots in the strategy and bring in, you know, maybe their new management teams. And so that can often be sometimes disruptive or in others, maybe it could be refreshing because a change was needed to help unlock things. But the changes you were talking about, whether they are restructuring or layoffs or M&A activity, or even, you know, you joined the company and you thought that you could work remotely and now you discover actually you're going to need to come into the office three days a week. Right. Those are big changes that are pretty tough and can be scary and unsettling. And so the initial impact often immediately afterwards is, you know, you're thinking about, well, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my job? Am I safe? Am I in a place where I'm going to be able to continue with the organization? A little bit later, then you start worrying about your coworkers and your team. What's the impact to them? And most people spend 70% of their waking hours at, at their office. And so a lot of the people they work with, they're fairly close to. And so they start thinking about that. And then you know, what often sets in in terms of challenges as some of that initial dust settles is you start thinking about the long-term prospects of the company. Is this the right leadership team I want to be working with? Does the company have a strategy I believe in? Do I think it will be successful? What are my alternatives? What's going to happen to my projects and the things that I've been working on, dedicating myself to? Sure. And then does this really make sense for me from a long-term point of view in terms of career prospects? And a lot of that can be very unsettling because many of those questions don't have immediate or obvious answers. And so employees really go through a pretty difficult period in this that can be disruptive. It can result in them being pretty unfocused. It can result in a lot of questions and churn in the organization. And it can also result then in a lot of time from HR teams where they're receiving a lot of questions, often very difficult questions where leaders are starting to get challenged on things that maybe they don't feel fully equipped to answer. So that's just a quick start on some of the things that you might encounter when there are changes like this. And, you know, I've been working with a lot of companies who have been facing that over the last year. Yeah. Thank you for that, Jesse. It's a wide range of emotions that employees go through when major announcements are made. 
and to your point, I think HR teams are investing so much in creating that culture, creating that relationship that employees have with their employers, with their colleagues, that when something shakes that relationship up, it's going to be jarring. It's going to have an initial ripple effect that's going to be felt and could reverberate throughout the workforce. Yeah, for sure. And it and it can last uh, a while, too. You know, I think a lot of leaders sometimes push through this change and then a couple months later are feeling like, hey, let's let's move forward. But you need to remember that the change curve for many employees is going to be longer than that. And so how do you know that? How do you work to try to shorten that change curve? And how do you also just help everybody think about how do we move forward now and what's the right way to move forward? And how do I do that in a compassionate way? Those are some of the key challenges for sure. Right. It's resetting the mindset, getting everybody back into the right thinking, but also having that compassion. So with that in mind, is there a role that HR teams can play in the immediate moments when a major announcement is made? Or is it better to hang back and let those emotions play out a bit before really stepping in and trying to help? Yeah. Well, probably not surprisingly, I feel that HR plays a critical role in the entire process and can really help an organization move through this in a less disruptive way that, like I mentioned, can kind of shorten the time frame um, and also help people understand. And so I don't think that you can force people to feel a certain way. They feel the way they do. And so I think you need to understand that, plan for that, and be compassionate in how you deal with that. So I guess the way I would start with this is, you know, even before we even get to the change, hopefully HR has been involved and you can develop a really solid plan on how you want to treat people with care, with compassion, like I mentioned. But once you get to the, you know, the change has happened, whether it is a layoff, you've announced Uh, say, an acquisition or a new return to office policy, I think the first thing you can do as an HR team is work with the leadership team to help remove uncertainty, you know, answering the obvious questions that people you know they're going to have. So first, what does this mean for me? Second, what does it mean for my coworkers and my team? And third, what does it mean for the company? Yeah. Why did we have to do this? And what does it mean? You know, creating certainty lowers anxiety and When you lower people's anxiety, that brings the ability to start absorbing the information and truly start understanding. And it also helps people focus. It helps them think about how they move forward once you've kind of taken that off the table. So that's one thing. And so really being engaged in the communications plan with your communications team, working with the leaders to make sure you understand the answers, that they make sense to you on why why did this change happen? How did we get in this difficult position? And how are we going to make sure that we can move forward in a healthier way as an organization. So I would encourage HR leaders and HR staff to make sure that they are pushing on those questions and the answers and that they get really crisp and that they feel like they can help answer them. But even more importantly, that the leadership teams and managers feel prepared to answer them and that they're consistent. So that would be kind of my first thought around immediately what you can do to try to help navigate a difficult change. Yeah, that is so good, Jesse. It's getting out in front of some of the questions that you know are coming, working with your leadership team to really iron some of those plans out ahead of time too. The vision going forward, I think that's something that immediately employees are going to ask. And hey, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for the organization? Think about those questions, have that answer ready to go. You don't want to be caught on your heels having to then come up with an answer on the spot immediately following the moment. You want to have that preparation so that the team feels like there is a vision going forward. I think that's going to initially put emotions at ease as best as you can and at least feel like there is some stability in a maybe instable moment. 
That's right. And another point around that that I should mention that I see a lot is this is not the time to just spin corporate platitudes and talk about typical terms that you hear a lot. This is the time to be especially authentic with your teams. Yeah. Let them know, hey, we've had to make a really hard decision. We know that this is going to impact some people, some of the people that you care about, some of your coworkers, that this might impact you individually. And we know that that's difficult. They don't shy away from it. They authentically admit it and then talk through, here's really why we needed to do this. We thought about different options, but here's why this one was the best one. Here's why we think it is really going to help the organization be successful moving forward. And here's what we're going to do to help you through this period of time. I think if you approach it in that sort of way where you're very transparent, you're very authentic, you're real with people. They will feel like they're, number one, they'll understand better. And number two, they know they're getting the real story. And number three, even if they don't like the decision, they will at least understand the rationale behind it. And that can really, really help in, you know, shortening the time frame or disruption and helping people really try to move forward. Yeah, it's really being a human resource in that moment. Yeah, the, the human part of HR has to show up very big. Yeah. Not just in HR, but with the leaders in moments like that. Yeah. Having that empathy again, being an open ear to hear out concerns from employees as well and take those seriously, help them through those tough moments. And not just, as you said, share those platitudes that can come sometimes fall on deaf ears and just feel like, again, you're, you're giving the company line at that point. Really just be human and understand where they're coming from. But then know that there's an opportunity to course correct down the line. And I think that's one that I want to look at is some of those long-term effects. So what are some of the long-term effects and challenges that organizations and corporate cultures encounter following major changes, whether it's layoffs, mergers, acquisitions, restructuring? Yeah, I've seen a lot of these from an M&A context or from a organizational change point of view, whether it's a restructure or a layoff. And when it doesn't go well, you can see that it erodes trust in the leaders, in the company overall. You see a lack of focus in people's ability to execute. So instead of thinking about what they can do to improve the product or the customer experience every day, they're starting to think a lot more about what's going on internally and their own jobs. And so I've also seen over time that also leads to a loss of key talent, high performers, high potential talent, people start to wonder whether this is really the long-term place for them. So when it doesn't go well, uh, those are the difficult places that you can end up in as an organization. And so leaders should take heed that, you know, this is really a time to invest, to make sure that it does go well. And when it does go well, and it can, and I have seen that many times, it's a very hard decision, but people, when they go through it, at least feel respected and they feel like their colleagues were respected. You may emerge out of a difficult change like this in a healthier position with a more resilient organization that is able to handle difficult changes more adeptly. You might be refocused on more important things. Oftentimes, if there's, say, financial difficulties and you have to do a restructure, it can at sometimes be a rallying cry for the people who are still with the organization. With a much more focused approach, you know, you can kind of rally around the cause and do less things in a better way. So. I don't want to make it sound like it's always downside, right? If you actually execute this well, there can be real benefits to handling it. Right. But that puts all the more attention around making sure that you're doing all the things you need to do to help people recover and help people refocus and handle a change like this really, really well. Leaders should understand that decisions like this are inflection points for the company. They can either turn the organization on an upward trajectory, which is 
in theory, why the change is being made in the first place. Or if handled wrong, it can you know create a decline which nobody wants. Yeah, that is so well said. Those are tentpole moments in a corporate history and a company's existence. And it's how you react, how you handle those that can really make all the difference going forward. I love that you teed this one up, Jesse, and that there are certain steps that can be taken to really make a difference there. So what are some of those strategies, some of those steps that HR teams and leadership teams can take to really help recover, re-inspire, and get a workforce back on board to turn around that morale and really take it into a positive trajectory? Yeah. The first thing that I've seen work really well is invest a lot in direct employee communication and transparency on the business. So if you used to be doing once a quarter, say, in all hands to keep people up to speed, start doing that much more frequently. Do that on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis. If your leaders historically have been you know, often behind closed doors and occasionally you see them for big meetings, find ways to make them more visible. Rotating through department team meetings, Slack channels, short videos, make sure that you're much more present than you have been in perhaps in the past. And be open and sharing about here's what we're working on, here's the challenges, and here's how it's going. Because if people can see their leaders more out in front and helping lead through the difficulty, and you can start also sharing, here's some of the small wins we're having, some of the changes we're making or working, people are able to now start thinking positively about the organization. They feel like they know what's happening, and they can see some of the progress. And that does wonders for turning employee perception around and helping people to kind of Uh, You know, nobody wants to go through a difficult period like this and everyone wants generally their organization to be successful and they would just, they want to feel like they're part of it and know what they can do. So that's number one. Number two is get really clear on what they can do to contribute to help the organization move forward. So if there isn't a strong goal setting approach right now, or your teams aren't really sure on what they need to be most focused on after a change like this, that's the type of thing to get really, really good at and invest the time and energy in making sure that people know what are the two to three things that matter the most in my job, in my department, in my division. The third thing I would say is invest in employees and their development. Often when you go through, let's say, a restructuring, you may be in a position where employees are being asked to take on multiple responsibilities, perhaps of former colleagues. And you often hear about how that is hard because now Now I'm doing the job of two or three people or at least part of their positions and it's new roles and responsibilities I didn't have before. So make sure that you're investing in them to help them learn. And that's not necessarily sending people to, you know, formal classes or or anything like that. Sometimes it's you as the manager spending time with them to walk through some of the challenges or the issues and make sure that you're brainstorming together. Sometimes it's setting up some more cross-functional teams so people can kind of learn on the job from each other. So that, that is also a piece and a, and a reality to know. And part of your kind of after plan from a long-term point of view would be, how am I going to build the skills in the employees that are there moving forward to be most successful? And then I would also say, uh, find ways for employees to contribute to the broader strategy. So, you know, when there are difficult times or difficult changes, or let's say you're thinking about uh, you're, you started rolling out your return to office plan, and maybe it isn't. Uh, there's some things that are working and some things that aren't. Allow everybody an opportunity to provide feedback and contribute and really listen. And you're going to get some good ideas there. How do you incorporate some of that? People will feel like they're part of the solution, right? And they are then much more bought in. And then finally, given I do compensation consulting, I can't help but mention also, you know, make sure you've got the right, you know, compensation levels and incentives with the team. So if you have now set 
more focused goals, or you have combined responsibilities. Make sure that you are treating those people right and that you have the right sort of incentives tied to those goals. So when they accomplish that, they get appropriately recognized. People understand difficult decisions get made, but if they also feel like, hey, I'm being treated right for what I'm being asked to do now, that's another step again, moving them along that change curve and helping them engage. Yeah, there are some great stuff you gave us in there, Jesse. That idea on the compensation side to start answers that question of what's in it for me. Yeah. Which is immediately where a lot of our minds are going to go during challenging times, whether it's returning to office, restructuring, seeing your colleagues get laid off. What's in it for me? If you can answer that question and really provide that to employees, that's going to resonate and really work well. That's looking at, okay, what's in it for me from a skill building standpoint? What's in my future? But then also from a compensation standpoint too, am I taken care of? Am I still valued? Right. I think answering that question is huge. Right, right. Yeah, if people feel valued, they feel respected, they feel communicated to, and they feel like they understand, then you start to get into the ability for people to refocus, to buy back into the organization, and to really start contributing, sometimes at even a higher level than they were before. Yeah, here's where I fit in. But then also, I may be being asked now to step in and take on more responsibility. How is that going to balance out? Am I going to get the training necessary? to make this possible? Am I going to be compensated appropriately to do so? And maybe not even financially, it could be through added benefits or just through other added values that can be brought into the conversation. That's a huge piece. I think what I also love too that you touched on, Jesse, was that idea of presence and clarity from leadership, really showing that you're invested and care and are a part of the change as well. It's not just, hey, we've made this decision, now go figure it out. No, I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm actually present. I, I care where we're going from here. And that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. And if you're an HR business partner for leaders in a time like this, this is the time where you actually work with them on, okay, what what is your schedule and how are you going to find time every day to get yourself in those meetings, check in with your leaders. If you're spending time in the office with them, how do you actually make sure you're going around and checking in with everyone? Schedule it. Make sure it's part of the plan of the day, the week, et cetera, and make that part of your regular one-on-one to check in on that and see how they are able to find the time. It's uh, when you're deliberate about it, it's easier to make it happen. Right. And that's where I think our, our audience of HR leaders are in a great position where they can really encourage their leadership teams. And we talk so much, again, of having HR's presence in the C-suite when you're going through such challenging times like restructuring. That's where you can really have an impact in your C-suite and make sure that, that you're raising your hand and asking those right questions ahead of time and even down the line to say, hey, we need to make sure you're present here. We need to make sure that you're in some of these meetings to really show your investment. Absolutely. And not just talk about it, right? That's the walk the walk, not talk the talk piece of it too, yeah. which resonates so well throughout an entire workforce. Well, look, Jesse, that was a great way to unpack where we can go through some of these challenging times and really how to respond to a workforce to get everybody back on board. A quote that stuck out to me that really led me to asking this question was that idea that good fortune doesn't make for good performance. I think we can challenge that. I think you can say if you've done the right way, you can bring teams back from these hard moments and find success going forward. You absolutely can. You know, these can be very difficult times and difficult challenges, but if handled the right way, planned, handled with care and compassion, and you choose it as an opportunity to reinvest in employees and reinvest in transparency and communication and how people can contribute to the strategy, difficult change like this can actually help the organization reach that inflection point and turn things in an upward way, which is uh, you know, what we're all aiming for. 
That's so good. Now let's keep this positivity going here, Jesse. As I mentioned at the top, you've got over 20 years of experience in the HR space. You're working globally with consulting. What's something you've seen over the past year that's really gotten you excited about the HR community in 2023? Yeah, this is a great question and a hard one to just pick one. <laughs> and I already spoke on the last podcast about you know where things are going with AI. So that's a definitely exciting one. But since we talked about that last time, I will skip that one. I think what I'm really seeing are a couple of things around uh, that I think are really exciting. And one is around how to be really thoughtful and creative about the employee experience and, you know, the office environment, even, you know, we talked a lot about return to office and that's a very difficult change, particularly if people were planning on being fully remote. And so what that's resulted in is a real focus on how do we create a great, really engaging employee experience, which I think is an awesome catalyst right now to focus on. And, you know, what I'm seeing that I'm excited about is rather than feeling like this a requirement where people are being forced necessarily in, to create a, an environment that is more of a pull where they want to come in and things like how do we focus on creating collaboration days or focused events or town halls that start drawing people in and creating more opportunities for building of community. And I think if you have an employee base that feels like they're part of one big community or groups of communities that they're really engaged in, you start driving retention, you start driving really strong performance because you know, they'll work hard for that community because that's part of who they are. And they start thinking about their workplace and their work as more than just a job, right? It's really part of their identity. Um, I think some really creative things around, you know, time off where instead of knowing that people have been kind of maxing out, making sure that there's the right breaks in the schedule. So some of my clients have done every month or every other month now where the entire office is off, which is like kind of a full mental health day break. Wow. which, you know, sounds like, oh, you're forcing me to take vacation that day, but it actually ends up being super valuable because when everyone is off, no one is emailing, no one is slacking you. And uh, you can truly kind of take a, a real break, which has been, I think, really healthy. And, you know, the value around time off is a, is a good thing for organizations to focus on. And uh, finally, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, location strategy work. I think, you know, a lot of companies are realizing that in the post-pandemic world, there are more opportunities now to think globally about where you can have some talent hubs and how to maximize that and where it makes sense to put some work that you've maybe traditionally just kind of housed in the headquarters office. And it's created a lot of opportunities for people all over the world and an opportunity even for people here to start working with other cultures, which has been really great. So that's been fun too. Those are great. Yeah, we're seeing a ton of creativity come out of the HR space using technology, using that ability to open up locations, new creative strategies to address EVP, even employment brand too. I think that's been something that's been interesting and exciting yeah. for me to see is just how organizations are approaching, how they're branding, how they're putting themselves out in the market to attract talent, to keep their current talent. Yeah, that's all been really great. And it all ties back to that creativity that we're seeing out of the HR space right now. Yeah. And, and I think that focus you mentioned on thinking about employee health and well-being more holistically, that I think is a really good trend. I really like that. You know, how, how do you think about people's mental health, their physical health, sleep, exercise? Like companies are talking a lot more about that because they're investing in the person, not just as an employee. Right. And I think that more holistic look at our role as helping people be their best period is an inspiring one that, you know, is part of the reason people got into the HR space probably in the first place. 
Yeah. Now, Jesse, do you see any trends coming? Is there anything bubbling up that you're keeping an eye on that you're excited about? Yeah, that one I just mentioned is kind of where I am feeling pretty pretty excited about that on well-being. You know, I think that in addition to focusing on things like org design and performance metrics and goals and, you know, compensation strategies, this idea of really thinking more broadly about employee health and well-being can be not only drive productivity for companies, which is ultimately they're looking to make sure that they're successful, but it also is going to create uh, vectors where employees are going to want to go to a place where they actually know that it can improve the overall quality of their life. Sure. And yeah. if they feel like you know their leaders are invested in that way, I think that that is an emerging trend that will start to be a differentiator. So if you haven't really started thinking about your well-being strategy, now is definitely the time because this, I think over the next you know two to three years will continue to grow in terms of prevalence. And it's not just, you know what are all the benefits you offering, right? It's really thinking about how can we positively contribute to people's well-being and monitor how it's going and provide a positive difference in in their lives in addition to the work that they come to do every day. So uh, that's one that I think is kind of exciting. Uh, I love that. Right. It's not just what are we giving you to help with your well-being, but what are we creating as an experience that can really promote that? And, and how do we think about your well-being as an employee? I think that's that's huge. And uh, certainly one to be excited about. Thank you for that, Jesse. Yeah. So again, we're here with Jesse Meschuk, a career and human resources expert and senior advisor with Executy. Jesse, do you have anything you want to share with our audience? Anything you're excited about, either in your personal life, professional life? Now's your opportunity to plug anything you've got going on and share that with our HR Works audience. Oh, well, I'm, you know, it was good to go through the summer. It was great actually to do a little bit more traveling and spending time with family. So that was, that was really good. And now settling into the you know beginning of the school year for uh, both my two daughters, so they're uh, looking forward to seeing their friends on a more regular basis. I'm not sure they're thrilled about school, but uh, you know we work on that. That's great. Well, and, and Jesse, for anybody who's interested in learning more about Executy, where can we send them? Uh, Executy website is a great place to go, or you can go ahead and. Uh, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. That's a great, great place. And in the last time I was on the, on the podcast, I got a bunch of notes from people who had a chance to listen. And, you know, we had a great in, engagement on a few topics to go back and forth on and always happy to connect with people and be helpful wherever possible. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll get those links out again through our site. So hopefully we can get you even more traffic and more engagement on that. But that was fantastic. And Jesse, thank you for just helping us unpack that conversation, that challenging topic that maybe doesn't get talked about as much, but certainly is important, should be top of mind and giving our audience some great tips to bring into their organization to help navigate through some of those challenging times. So again, I, I really enjoyed that. So Jesse Maxchuk, Senior Advisor with Executy, thank you so much again for coming back to the HR Works podcast, being a repeat guest for us here. Um, I'll say it again. We already made good on the first time saying that we want to keep the conversation going. I hope we keep the conversation going even for a third time in the future. But uh, thank you for your time today and, and hope to have that one again. Yeah, likewise. Thanks again for having me. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible. 